I do want to, I do want to say a word of thanks to Corey uh, for last week's of faithfully uh, blessing us with the word. It was great to hear from him. Um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, we actually went through the book of Proverbs together, but I did not pick up on this theme, this theme of the importance of having people invest in our spiritual growth and our discipleship. Many times within our own particular families, you see it, and when it talks of moms, it's actually the bookends of the book of Proverbs. You go back to chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about listening to your father's instructions, but then it says, do not forsake your mother's teaching. And then you get to the very end, the last chapter, chapter 31, verse 26, and it's the same thing again. She speaks wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So throughout this entire book, these wise sayings and reminders to the people of God, it speaks of the importance of instruction and of teaching from those around us. And let me just say very carefully from the beginning, of everyone around us, preachers do not like preaching today. It's a hard day for many of us. Mother's Day, whether it's because of loss, uh, maybe it's because of things in our childhood, maybe it's that a lot of us have kids who are distant today and can't be with us. It's a hard day, but it's always right to look into Scripture and say, what would you say to us, those of us who are moms and dads? But listen, and I mean this as strongly as I can say it because I've experienced it, all of us are spiritual mothers and fathers to the kids of our church to the people of our neighborhoods, to the people that we work with. And so there is a word here for all of us in this. Two weeks ago, in preparing for Jerry Mitchell's funeral, his son had come home, and we grew up together. Um, and we got a bunch of our kids that we were in youth group with in high school to talk about memories. And we talked about some of the things that we thought we got away with, but I'm sure the adults knew we did it. We talked about all the silly stuff. But you know what we talked about? talked about the youth counselors. As important as our student minister was, we just named them Marty, Suzanne, Phil. We went through, some of them had their own children, some did not, but we were their kids. Statistics tell us we need about eight people to come alongside us. If we're going to hold on to our faith and the faith that our parents are trying to share with us, we need about eight people to come alongside of us to complement and supplement what they're doing. So again, even though this is a word to moms, it's really a word to all of us, the ministry that we have. So what is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today, especially as the Spirit has spoken through King Lemuel's life? First, there's this reminder. When we talk, when we, when we look at faith, it has to be told. If you're along in your notes there, that's, that's the first one. Faith has to be told. It's a critical for us. I'll talk about it in a minute. It's critical for us to model that. That's some of the ways in which we earn the right to tell it, but it has to be told. Chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to your father. In other words, the father needs to speak instruction. But then the word right after that is, what have you been told through your mother's instruction? Or I like how the modern-day paraphrase of message says it. What did you learn at your mother's knee? What are those things that your mother poured into you. It has to be verbalized for you and I to find creative ways to tell the story of our faith, to talk about our own Jesus story with our kids, that they don't have to wonder 
that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of our life because they've heard it several times, whether it's us teaching our church kids or our own kids, where we initiate conversations about spiritual things. Or as my wife looked at me one day when our firstborn was three or four years old, and she asked me, hey, Barry, when are we going to begin the family devotionals? Uh, uh, Next week. Yeah, I'd plan that for next week. I don't know what a family devotional is. She grew up in a missionary family with all that kind of regimented discipleship stuff. I had no idea. Actually, Ben Butler is partly what you're working on is family worship and family discipleship with his doctorate. It's going to help us because I've been through seminary and I was clueless. How do I verbalize my faith to my kids? There's a reminder from a very secular news source that says, you want your kids to hold on to your faith in the 20s? You've got to find ways to verbalize it. We've got to share it. Find natural ways to do that, not force ways, but it's critical for you and for I to tell the story, to share the story. Faith has to be told. But then in our verses here today, verse 31, verses 1 through 9, faith not only needs to be told, but it needs to be carefully and intentionally taught. Listen, it's, it's hard enough. If you've, if you've been a parent, it's hard enough just doing the regular questions beside the spiritual questions. I, I, I had our confirmation class unload on me a couple weeks ago. I taught the Sunday school, and it was basically open fire season on the preacher. Ask him anything you want. What's the number one question? Where's my dog? Did my dog die? Where is it? I'll talk to you all afterwards about that. But that's, I mean, all those kind of deep spiritual questions. But if you're, if you're, if you're at home with your kid, there was a, a United Kingdom uh, survey that, that talked about the hundreds of questions that we get asked from four-year-olds. And those aren't as easy as to answer. What are shadows made of? <laughs> Why is water wet? <laughs> Good luck answering those. Our kids, our church kids, your neighborhood kids, the the co-workers you're ministering to as they're desperately trying to figure out how do I parent in this world? What a gift you and I give to all of them when we know the word of God and we're also being very careful with our instruction. It's a good word today, an encouragement for moms on that because I love what our forefather John Wesley said about it said, I learned more about Christianity from my mom than I did from all of the theologians of Europe. Just that intentional one hour a week she had with each of her, I think, 482 children. But one hour a week, she pulled them aside. Tell me where you're headed. Tell me where you see God working. Let me pour into you some memory verses. That intentional instruction, how critical that is, not just for for biological moms and dads, but for extended family, for church family, that we teach and share the Word of God with our children. I had spoken to a, a homebound person one time, and they were pridefully sharing with me that one of their children had gone toe-to-toe with a professor who didn't believe anything about the Bible. The professor was bullying the class, and their child raised their hand and said, well, here's what I believe. And the professor just shot back some easy arguments trying to crush the student. And the, she said, the, the, the person said the student stood up and just said, went toe-to-toe with this very knowledgeable professor and says, yes, but here's what the Word says. Yes, but here's what the Word says. Here's what church history says. Here's what archaeology says. Here's what, and just went toe-to-toe. And, and, uh, but here's, here's what that homebound person said. I asked my child, where'd you get all that stuff? How'd you get that? You made me go to Sunday school. 
because a church family took seriously. These are my kids, but they are my kids. And I'm going to pour into them the word. I'm being intentional to be there every Sunday to love them, encourage them, but also pour into them. And you've got this 18, 19-year-old kid. Let's go toe-to-toe. Let's dance, prof. Let's go. Because of a faithful Sunday school teacher. Um, Look at the beginning. If you have the Bible open in this passage in Proverbs 31, we remember the, the rest of this passage. This is what a godly woman is. We forget why these first verses here are written. Do you see what it says at the very beginning? Now, this is a king, by the way. This is a king making this admission. My mama told me this. This is what mama told me. And what mama just said, in some of y'all's homes, it may be scripture, but it turns out here, it is scripture. This is what I learned at the knee of my mom, and it has stayed with me and formed me. A mom who taught me, son, stay away from sin. I don't want you to give your life away to things that will destroy you. But not just here are the things you need to stay away from, but son, be just. There are poor and needy and afflicted people out there, and you better do something about it, and you better be right on the right side of those issues. It's a beautiful picture of a mom being very, apparently very intentional about what to teach, what to avoid, but also what to do. And it's a great reminder to us this morning. We all feel, I don't know about you, but as a dad or a mom or, or, or our ministry to our neighborhood kids or the, coach, the teams you coach or, or your ministry through our church and VBS or Sunday school, we're always going to feel inadequate, right? That we're not enough. Ann Voskamp in one of her books says this, Moms, if you are being gut honest here, you don't really want cards or flowers. What you want is to be extraordinarily, obviously good at this, this mothering thing. That's our ache, that I want to matter to the next generation, that I want to be able to pass on this faith that has been so vibrantly passed on to me. Can can I do that for somebody else? In Proverbs, we see where that worked well. What a gift you can be, as we have reminded ourselves at this baptism this morning, that we're going to do that for our church's children. I know Renee could still use some Sunday school teachers. I know Corey two weeks ago was asking for Sunday school teachers. Whether it's in VBS, whatever that may be, all of us are church mothers and fathers. And you have this reminder here about the influence and the power of that. A king admits, mama taught me these things. Faith has to be told. We've got to find creative ways to do that. Faith has to be intentionally taught. But then going back to chapter 4, 3, there's also this reminder, truth telling is not enough. It has to be tender. You go back to chapter 4, verse 3, and I love how this is. It says that, and this is the admission here of the proverb writer, I was tender. I was the only one in the sight of my mama. I love how John talks about the incarnation of Christ in his gospel. In chapter 1, verse 14, he says this. When Jesus came, when he was enfleshed, he came full of grace and truth. He is the one, and we hear it later in the great I am statements, I am the truth. He came full of grace and truth. And if if there's not grace with truth, you've missed Jesus. 
And so you see here, even in Proverbs, this reminder again of there's, there's something about the love and the encouragement of your mom or a grandmother or a stepmother or a church mother, just somebody who will come alongside you and say, I love you, you can do this, keep going. There's nothing like that tenderness. Tell it, teach it, but it's got to have the grace of God as well for people to catch it. I heard a friend say it his, uh, recently. He told the story uh, of, of him struggling with, in school. He was struggling in school at a young age, and when he got to third grade, his grandmother, who basically was his mom, pulled him aside and said this, this is as far as I can take you. This is as far as I got. At third grade, I finished, and after that, I had to hit the fields to make money for my family, and I never got to go back because of needs in my family. I never got to go back to get any more education, but I promise you this. I will work to be able to pay whatever tutors you need, and I will be here with you, encouraging you, praying with you, supporting you to get you as far as you can go. And those words of encouragement, that kind of modeling, that was huge for him. And it got him all the way through high school and then even got him to college. And he may have been the first in his family to go to college. And within two weeks at college, one of his professors pulled him aside and said, you need to drop out. You need to get your money back. This is not for you. Pull out now. Get out now before you waste your money and your time. He was dejected. He went uh, to the post office later that day with full intentions of just quitting. And he pulled out an envelope that, that said, it had two things in it. One was a note, and it was a note from his grandmother. I know you can do this. I'm so proud of you, of what you're doing. You stay with it. We'll get you the support you need. You can do this. Stick with it. And also in that envelope was a, a $20 bill. And in the note, too, it told him how she got that $20 bill. In her late 60s, at about 4 foot 11, 4 foot 10, and a push mower, she was mowing yards to put her grandson through college. And he said for the four years of college, $15, $20, $40, $20, and I knew my elderly grandmother was out there working in the sun, push, how, how do you push a bow at 410? Like, <laughs> I, heard him, I heard him share that story at his graduation. And it wasn't his college graduation. It wasn't his graduation from his Master of Divinity degree. I heard him say it from right there to a week and a half ago as he received his doctorate. And I got to watch that little grandmother get on this stage in her 80s, hug her boy, <laughs> and express the tenderness of God. People will not find the truth of God if it's not coupled with the love and the encouragement and tenderness of God. How critical it is we speak of our faith. We gotta tell it, find creative ways to do it. We gotta find ways to be intentional to teach. We need more teachers in our church family and with our neighborhood kids and in our communities, but then also that they would know the tenderness of God the encouragement of God in tangible and real ways. And that's what's so beautiful about this meal. When we come to this meal, here is a, a, an outward invisible sign of that inward and spiritual grace of God for us. We remember today that Christ invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. 
on the night in which Christ gave himself up, he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.